Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Come on, somebody. Hey, no better place to be in the house of God today. And I want to tell you, it's just, it's an unbelievable honor, and we're just overwhelmed by the love in this room and really what North Point is to this community and the difference that y'all are making, that we are making. But first and foremost, I want to honor Pastors Destiny and Pastor Philip because you have to understand, these are culture changers. These are leaders of leaders. These are titans of the faith. These are God's anointed. And I want to tell you what, the best is yet to come for Pastor Destiny and Philip. Put your hands together for these amazing pastors. Come on. We love you. Unbelievable. We honor you. And right now, I want to, I want to honor, you know, North Point, what North Point is. It's just, it's amazing to see what God has used North Point to do, because every time we come here, I mean, Sarah and I, we just feel so welcomed, and we just love the people in this room, and we can't wait to get to know every single one of you, but it's just an honor to be in this place with you today, and I'll tell you this, during this transition, we have, we have planned methodically every detail. We have prayed over every aspect of this transition, but we believe with all of our hearts that with this transition, God's hand is over it and guiding because God has already done so many phenomenal things throughout this transition. And I'll tell you this, that this place, North Point Community Church, it is unique. It is dynamic. It's powerful. It's culture changing. And everything that Destiny and Philip have led you to establish, we want to cultivate that. We want to grow that. And how many of you believe with me, we're going to go from glory to glory, and the best is yet to come for North Point. Put your hands together for North Point today. Come on. God is so good, and we, we absolutely adore all of you. When uh, Pastor Destiny and Philip asked us to preach, we began to pray, and we said, what do we want to bring for our first series? And without a, a doubt, we felt God dropped a word on our heart. And this word is the mission of our life. This word is essential to how we live every single day. And, and I just want you to know that your, your uh, family church across the river, Shreveport Community Church, this is how that we live. And now this will be a huge part of how we all live together. So I want to tell you, the one thing that keeps us centered and matters most, the one thing that is our motivation, and it's our chief goal, our very purpose in life, if you get this one thing right, you're settled. If you get this one thing right, you're secure. And when life gets so complicated, this foundational mission, it really simplifies everything. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and verse 5, and you can follow along on the screen. But this verse comes right before the Israelites, the children of Israel, are about to cross over the Jordan and take the promised land. And they get this word, and the word from God is, hey, this word is what matters most. 
This word is what is above all the other words. And this is, this is what the Bible says. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Goes on to say, hey, tell your kids and tell your children's children. Get a tattoo of it. Put it on your shirt. Wear it around your neck. Put it on your door frame. Never forget to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and strength. So the title of our message and really the title of this series and the mission of our life is to love God well. Say it with me. Love God well. One more time. Love God well. Come on, bow your head with me. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, bless. we bless your name today. Thank you for North Point Community Church. God, I pray you give blessings to every person in this room. Help your word to wash over us. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Amen. I'm in tears. Thank you for uh, Destiny and Phil for your words and prayers and thank all of you uh, for your prayers just now. I'm already choked up at the beginning of this whole thing. Um, and even our, uh, my children's pastor that led me to the Lord, by the way, when I was six years old, is Pastor Steve right over here. And uh, yeah, round of applause for Pastor Steve. Come on, and and really quick, um, we have we have four precious kids, but one of our one of our kids is in the room. Kennedy, would you stand? This is Kennedy, <laughs> our daughter. Come on, let's hear it. We our love her so much. Is in the room. Yes, we love have you. four. She's the oldest. She's with us, and uh, she's about to be fifteen. Oh my goodness. My goodness, and um, if you don't know our history, Destiny and I grew up together, and so she's been putting up with me for a long time. And I've been looking up to her for a long time, and I love you. God is just so good. We are family. Even if you don't know uh, one another yet, you don't know us yet, I want you to know this is family. And God is just so incredibly good. You know, uh, I think about an article that I read a while back about track and field, and it's entitled, Better Baton Passing. Okay, And it's about how the U.S. has some of the fastest runners in the world, Yet time and again, they kept losing races in the Olympics and in the world championships. They are elite athletes, fastest feet in the world, yet they kept forfeiting the gold all for one reason. They kept botching the passing of the baton in the transition zone, in the exchange zone. Mike Rosenbaum, track and field expert, says this. The relay is often won in the exchange zones. This stuck with me because I thought, wow, how true is this for us as Christians too? See, we were never meant to run a solitary race on our own. We were always meant to go the extra distance for other people, right? Our faith bears fruit in the exchange zone. We were always meant to pass on what we've been giving. The whole point is the handoff. So how we handle transition really is everything. And when Israel received this command in Deuteronomy, they were in a time of transition. 
And see, they had been in, um, they were delivered. Maybe you know the story. They were delivered from slavery in Egypt. They had journeyed through the wilderness. And now they're looking over the Jordan into the promised land that they are about to enter. And in this time of transition, God clarifies what matters most. Because listen to me this morning. It's in times of transition where God clarifies what matters most. Look back over your own life. It's not only the happy transitions. Sometimes it's the hard transitions where God clarifies what matters most. In my own life, my favorite transition of all when we got married and I became Duran, I became your wife. Happy transition. It was abundantly clear in that moment of transition what matters most. I think of a tough transition in my life, a transition I didn't want to experience. When I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis eight years ago, right after we got married, and I did not want this to happen. And, and this is a, there's no cure. I was told to prepare for a life of disability, a hard transition. But can I tell you, that transition clarified a lot for me. And in that time, I knew what really matters more than anything. Because it's in times of transition that we also learn what really doesn't matter as much as we thought. But God can highlight and clarify Things that matter most in transition. And I believe that um, as we, as North Point Community Church, we're in a time of transition. And as we look out ahead into the season that God has for us, it reminds me of Israel and their time of transition. And God gave them a word, which is the same word he's giving us today. Hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. You're going to prosper Better than that, your kids and your grandkids will prosper. But there is an if, if you will hold fast to this one thing. If you will make this your top priority in life, to love God well. And that is everything, to love God well. Because if if we were to condense the entire word of God with all the law and commands into one statement, it would say, love God well. If you were to condense the entire work of Jesus here on earth and, and really his message to the world, it would say he lived to love God well. If you could pinpoint the highest pinnacle of human achievement and truest success, it would be to love God well. Creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community, that is loving God well. I want to tell you this, that going to the highways, the byways, the Great Commission, helping those that need help and just being the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus Christ, feeding 10,000 meals, giving uniforms, that is loving God well. At the end of your life, at the end of our life, the most wonderful thing heaven and earth could say about us is that we loved God well. I want to tell you, This is a simplified statement that is overarching, that covers our entire life. And it's so wonderful when the Holy Spirit does something like this for us. You know, um, when Kennedy and Noah, our daughters were, I mean, they're in high school and middle school. When they were younger, we were were putting them to bed one night. And when we were putting them to bed, Sarah just looked down and said, um, hey, what is, is there something... I'm going to screw the story up. You, you tell the story. You tell, okay, yeah, I'll you tell go ahead. Story, okay. You say it. 
So yeah, we were we were putting them to bed one night, and um, and we we're this was just like a parent win kind of a moment, um, or so I thought. Uh, and so I just said, you know, is there something that we can do better? What is something that mommy can work on for you? And and Kennedy, she's right there with us. Okay, she's like, uh, you know, maybe you could be more patient, honestly. And I'm like, okay, so this is a safe zone. Okay, gosh, I'm going to work on that. I want to be more patient. I'm like, this is a good moment. This is good. And uh, so then we turn to Noah next. And I said, Noah, what about you? What can we work on? What can I do better? And she looked and she thought for a minute and she said, well, I've been thinking for a while now, but can you please start buying bologna from the grocery store instead of turkey every time? Like, she thought long and hard on what any, I'm, I'm ready to give her the world, okay? We're like, what do you want? It's yours. The keys to the kingdom. And all she's thinking about is baloney. And she totally missed the point. She missed the, the whole point of the moment, right? That's messed up. <laughs> I like baloney, too. Why don't you buy that baloney? I still never even did. What <laughs> in the world? How many baloney lovers do we have out here, huh? Statistics say there's more than that. You're ashamed of your baloney loving, okay? No shame. So we do the same thing so many times in our relationship with Almighty God. Do you know that we can read the entire Bible and still miss the entire point? That God has an abundant life for us. Understand this. God wants to give us the world. Okay, the abundant life, heaven on earth, blessings, fulfillment, life to the fullest. But God comes and says, what are your desires? And we focus on baloney. We focus on self-serving goals. We focus on self-serving futures whenever God says, no, my desire for you is the best. And from the very beginning, God's best is a precious relationship with him where we love him with everything in our spirits. Take it, Sarah. Praise God. See, I want you to understand how significant this passage is. It is likely the most significant passage in all of Scripture. I would say it is the spine that holds the rest of this book together. See, Deuteronomy 6, 5, the command to love the Lord your God, heart, soul, and strength, that's the thesis statement of the law. You could basically say that all the other laws are really like practical applications for how to love God well in any sphere or scenario in life. The Jewish people, at least to an extent, understood the significance of this passage. And because of that, they tried to work it into every aspect of their lives. In fact, even to this day, devout Jews recite this passage multiple times a day, and they call it the Shema. Everyone say the Shema. And this is a, a tiny tangent, but I just, I feel led to share this. I think it's interesting that the Shema means to hear. And that's a practical purpose because the passage opens up with hear, O Israel. However, our command, our mission to love God well has a name and it's called the Shema. The command to love God well means to hear. So your ears, they follow your heart, right? They follow the direction of your heart. When God has your heart, he has your ears. When you love God well, 
you're able to hear the Holy Spirit instruct you on how to live your life. It's significant in Judaism, but it should be all the more significant and sacred for us as followers of Jesus Christ. See, in the New Testament, Jesus labeled this command as the greatest commandment, right? When he was asked, what is the most important command? This was his response. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God and love people. In fact, that's even a redundant statement because you can't love people without loving God. As Christians today, we ought to find ways to work this command into every aspect of our lives as well. Maybe we quote it multiple times a day, but I think there's even more practical ways that you and I can work out this command into our day-to-day lives. Maybe it looks something like this. Maybe you wake up in the morning. This is something that we've been doing for a long time now. And your first prayer is, God, help me to love you well today. If you make declarations, we've added this to ours. I declare today I'm going to love God well above all. And when you're facing a situation or a major decision in life, your prayer is, God, how can I love you well in this decision? When you're up against a storm or you're in a battle, your prayer becomes, okay, God, how can I love you well in the midst of this battle? If you're waiting on a miracle or for healing, you pray, God, how can I love you well as I wait for my miracle and for my healing? This is why now it simplifies it. It's why we study the word of God. It's why we pray. And it's the most important thing we can pass on to our kids is to love God well. So good, and, that, and that's it. But the question is how? Yeah. how? How do we love God well? Well, it says it right here, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. You could say with all of our feeling, knowing, and doing. So heart, soul, strength, feeling, knowing, and doing. So loving God well with all of our heart. That means your emotions, your passions, your, your desires. Loving God with all of our Soul, that's deciding to love God with our mind and with our will. Loving God with all of our strength, that is energetically with our actions and with our effort towards God. But it could see, seem like, hey, these are all disjointed and they're separated. But the Bible tells us this is all-encompassing who we are. It's everything, and it's so intertwined because heart, soul, strength is everything you are and everything that you have. And the most important part about this is the action, and that is loving. The love covers all. You know, the Greek word for love is agape, and it's the highest and most noblest form of love. That is God's love for us. So God's love for us, it is selfless. It's perfect. It's complete. It's sacrificial. So to possess and express this kind of love, one is commanded to utilize the fullness of one's being described in terms of heart, soul, and strength. It's all-encompassing. Love God well. Love God with everything within you. So next week, we're going to talk about loving God well with, with our soul and then loving God with all of our strength. But right now, for the rest of this message, we're going to camp out right here. What does it look like 
to love God with all of our heart, with everything within us. You know, about a, probably about a month ago, my brother Dez, um, he called me and told me he was uh, training to run a marathon. Dez didn't ask me. Dez didn't volunteer. I mean, ask, Dez didn't ask me or invite me. I volunteered myself to go through the hell of training for a marathon. I volunteered myself to go through the misery of running miles and miles. So I looked up a marath- marathon plan, and um, over and over again Couch on the internet. Couch to marathon. Couch to marathon, real deal. And so over and over again it said, do not run too many miles too fast. You will get injured. And I said, that's for weak people. I'm like, I'm a real deal athlete. I can do whatever I want. Sure enough, you know the story. Three weeks later, I could barely walk. Like, my knees hurt so bad, I thought they were going to implode. Had to go to the physical therapist. They said, well, you didn't strengthen your core first. And you didn't strengthen the muscles around your knees. And you didn't take your time. And because I didn't take my time, I got injured because my core wasn't strong. And it's the same way spiritually. Spiritually, if your core isn't healthy and strong, the weight of the world will crush us. Spiritually, your heart is your core muscle. So the Greek word for heart, it's cardia. The term means the center of all things. So in your core, the center of all things, your heart, God wants us to love him well first, and then all these things will be added. Take it, Sarah. It's no wonder the Bible tells us it's so important to guard our heart, Yeah. right? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. If God has your heart, he has your life. To love God with all of your heart is to love God passionately. It's amazing what we're able to do and able to accomplish if our heart is in it. Passion is incredible fuel. Even the Webster Dictionary uh, um, definition of passion is the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus loved the Father passionately. So if we're to guard our heart, it really is to guard our passion. And what are we guarding our passion from? Okay? Um, What are we guarding it from? You know, you can lose your passion. Your love can grow cold. And that's what we have to protect our passion from, from it dying and from our love growing cold. And the first way that we protect our passion and guard our heart is remember how it all began. Remember how it all began. We're about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary literally in like three weeks, right? So here we are at 10 years. Yes, praise God. Hand clap for that. It's great. Milestone. I can't believe it. Uh, our 10-year anniversary is coming up, and now, the way our life looks now is so different than the way it looked back when it all started. Now, we have four kids. We have a lot more responsibilities. We're so busy just doing life. So, it is so important for us to look back and remember how it all began. I look back, and I remember the season when we were falling in love. 
and we just talked to each other all the time. And when we weren't together, I talked about him, or I thought about him, or I checked my phone to see when he's going to text, or look on social media to see what he's up to. Falling in love was a fun season, and it's so important in marriage and in our relationship with God that we protect our passion by first looking back and remembering how it all began. Because it is a real possibility for love to grow cold. We see the example of this in the Ephesian church in scripture. They start off really strong. In fact, love is a part of their identity as a church. Paul describes them in the book of Ephesians as being rooted and established in love. Okay, they started out strong. They got it. But then by the time we get to Revelation, Jesus is rebuking them because they had forgotten their first love. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't just rebuke them. He gives them a solution. And what he says to them in this moment equips us to know how we can protect our passion. And even when our love has grown cold, what Jesus says here equips us to reawaken our love once again. And listen to what he says, Revelation 2.5. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So how we protect our passion, we look back, we remember how it all began, and we do the things we did at first. Remembering, remembering is really everything. If you can remember, it just makes your love for God so much more. I remember the other, the other day, um, Sarah and I and my dad were standing in our living room. In our living room, we have a gallery wall, and the gallery wall is just pictures of our four kids And we were sitting there just kind of marveling, like, oh, look how big they've gotten. Look how they're growing. And then across the room on the other side, it was a picture of our uh, engagement, our engagement picture. And it's really how it first began. And looking at that picture, you can remember. But it's the most cringy picture, like, you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Like, you know those pictures, like, you're, like, looking into... Like looking into each other's soul. It's like, why did they make us do that? You know, <laughs> my hair's all weird, a terrible style. And it's like, well, I want to I wanna take that picture down. My dad says, no, you can never take that picture down. He said, look at the love that's in your eyes, how you're looking at each other, how it began. And he said, never forget that. But that love, if that's good, then everything else is covered then everything else stays secure. My dad's the only person that could look at a cringy picture and have you crying at the end, like, you're right, dad. Like, so a week later, we took the picture down because it was so bad, you know, still took it down. Like, who cares? But he was 100% right. It all began in a simple place. It all began in a simple place. And it's all sustained by the simple place. That just us place of intimate love, and it's the same in our relationship with Almighty God. I want you right now to remember when you gave your life to Jesus. I want you to remember the newness of your love for Almighty God coming into the house of God. Remember reading your Bible for the first times and praying and coming in and being able to worship the freeness. And I want to tell you, never forget that. Always remember how it all began. If you're thankful for how it all began, put your hands together for Jesus today. Come on.
And the second final point that we have today is, is spend time with God. So how do you love God with all your heart? Second and final point, spend time with God. So just like any other relationship, you spell love, T-I-M-E. You got to spend time with God. You know, we just finished our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, we had staff prayer meeting every morning, and we would start out by just playing a worship song, and we would sit there. No one's talking, but we would just think about the love of God with worship playing. We call that soaking in God's presence. People would be weeping. The whole atmosphere of the room would change. Why? Intentionally stopped to spend time with Almighty God. I don't know if y'all have seen the movie... uh, Mr. Rogers with Tom Hanks. But in this movie, Mr. Rogers, there's a scene where he goes into a restaurant with this troubled young man. And him and the man sit down at a booth. And the young man says, I'm, I'm just broken. He said, I just, I, I can't go on. I'm broken. And Mr. Rogers says, I don't, I don't think you're broken. I think you got a lot of great things going on for you. And he took a timer out of his jack. And he said, I want to do something that I do from time to time. I'm going to time a minute right now. And during this minute, we're going to sit in silence. And I want you to think of all the people that have loved you to bring you to this. I can't do that. It's a minute. You can do it. They sat in silence. But it wasn't just them. Then it spilled over to the whole restaurant. Everyone was silent. The whole atmosphere of that room changed. People began to cry. And the young man, he was weeping. Because he realized the love that brought him to that point. Right now, I want us to do this. We're not going to do a full minute. I know that's scary. We're just going to do a few seconds. Bow your head right now. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to focus on Almighty God. Think about how much you love God. And think about how much more God loves you. And ask God, speak to me in this silence. I want you to look and listen to me this morning. There's a reason the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes loving God well, it means pushing the pause button. It means sitting in his presence. Our love for God is deepened and it's enriched as we spend time with him. Sarah, won't you close us this morning? Amazing. Amazing. The final point, my final point, is remember how much God loves you. It's in these moments of stillness that we really can do that, you know. That's really what this is all about. All of our effort to love God well is just a response to the God who loved us first and who loves us so well. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we even know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This whole thing is a love 
story. Our whole Christian effort is a love response. There's a story of two men who were childhood friends. And worship team, you can come back at any point now. Two childhood friends, Sometimes back, it was sometime back in the 40s. And their names were Brennan Manning and Shell Silverstein. Once they'd grown up, Shell became a Christian. And they sat in the park one day, and Manning asked Shell how he would describe Jesus. Shell thought about it for a minute and said, let me come back to you on that. They met up again the next day, and Shell brought Manning a handful of papers, which looked like a pile of just papers that looked like a children's book had been sketched on it. This stack of papers was Shell's best description of Jesus, and they became an incredibly famous children's book many of us know and love today called The Giving Tree by Shell Silverstein. Yeah. If you don't know the story, the book is a story about a young boy who loves this tree, and the tree loves him. The boy enjoyed eating the apples and playing in the leaves, and the tree is delighted to provide. As the boy gets older, his times of absence grow longer and longer. Every once in a while, he would come back and show up to get something from the tree, her branches so he could build a business, then her trunk so that he could build a boat to travel far, far away. Each time the tree is so happy to see him, so happy to give of herself to him. Eventually, after the boy is an old man, he returns and all that's left of the tree is a stump. Finally, the boy chooses to simply sit with the tree and rest. According to Manning, this was Shell's best understanding of Christ, the tree that gives and gives and gives until finally inviting us to rest. Philippians 2.7 says Jesus emptied himself for us. So often we come to him just to get something. And we're all certainly guilty of long absences at times. Yet he invites us into his rest. Well, this story made such an impact on Manning that Manning himself became famous as a priest and author and speaker. And he had a deep revelation of God's love. And in one of his most famous sermons, this is what he said. At the end of your life, when you're face to face with Jesus, I believe he will ask you simply this. Did you know how much I love you? Do you believe that I desired you? That I waited patiently for you day after day? That I longed to hear the sound of your voice? Manning's life was built on this conviction and we can adopt it as our own. I believe in the love of God and I try to reshape my life in response to it. That's what this is all about. We don't have to earn our way. We've been freely given our way because we're so deeply loved. So all of this, our church attendance, our Bible studies, our service to the poor, our reading of scripture, it is all just a response to say, God, I love you too. That's what loving God well is all about. And so today, this is how we wanna close. We just wanna pray for you. Everyone, you can go ahead and stand to your feet. And I wanna give you, we wanna give you the invitation to make a new declaration today that what's gonna be most important in my life, what's gonna keep things simple and clear, what's gonna keep my feet secure, is that I'm gonna love God well above all else. 
And for some of you, this might be the first time ever. Maybe you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, and today you're saying, this is my day. And I want to love God well and make that declaration for the first time in my life. If that's anyone in this room, would you raise your hand so we can know who we're praying for? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God all over the room. And for everyone in this room, no matter how long you've known the Lord, it's never too late for us. You know, you never mature back. You never mature past the need just to know how loved you are by God. We never mature past the need to realize it's as simple as just knowing, God, did I love you well today? It's all that matters. And so if that's you, if you say this hits home, and I want that to be my life mission, I want to love God well, and I want to make that declaration fresh today by a show of hands. Come on all over the room. Praise God. And we just want to pray for you as we close. God, I thank you for moments like this. God, we're the ones that complicate things, but it's your spirit that makes it so simple. God, we thank you for a clear word, God, that simplifies everything. God, we want to love you well. God, we recognize that this word is simply a response to the profound love of God for us. Lord, we recognize your love and we receive your love. For those of us stepping into a relationship with you for the first time today, God, we give you our hearts and lives. We recognize we need forgiveness for our sin. We recognize that we can't earn forgiveness. God, I thank you that it was paid for at the cross because you love us so much. You gave your son to give his life so that we could be saved. So God, now our only appropriate response, whether today's your first day as a believer or if today is your 30th year as a believer, our only appropriate response is to say, God, I want to love you well. And so we declare, God, we're going to love you well. God, I pray that you give us your Holy Spirit to help us live out the conviction and the commitment to love you well. Thank you for a simple and clear word this morning. And we receive it as Israel did. And it secures the promise ahead for us, just like it did for them. And if there's anything we want to make sure we pass on to our kids intentionally, it's this one thing, how to love God well. And how that is the most important thing we can ever give our lives to. So we worship you in this moment, and we thank you. God, we will love you well. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.